Thank you so much. Uh, if you, you should have two handouts tonight. One of them is in your prayer sheet called The Names of God. The other is called Why Study the Names of Christ, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're going to look at that one first tonight. So you'll take both of those out. As you're doing so, um, I encourage you to be here for the Sunday School Hour this coming Sunday. Of course, we have a different missionary uh, each Sunday this month. But I'm excited about during the Sunday School Hour, we have three retired missionaries from our church. They're going to share their experience with you as a missionary. That's Brother Bill Ecton, Brother Bob Gilley, and Brother uh, Dr. Phil Myers. All three of them served as missionaries in foreign fields. And so they're going to share with us, divide the Sunday School Hour up and share with us their experience as missionaries and challenge us in the area of missions. All right. If you got your Bibles, hold on your two handouts. Go to Philippians chapter 2, please. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to begin that extra handout you got when you came in called Why Study the Names of Jesus Christ. Why would we take so much time to study the names of God? And we've already studied the names of God in the Old Testament. Now we're focusing on the names of God in the New Testament. And so these are things I shared with you briefly last week. I noticed many of you were trying to write it down as I was saying it, and so I wanted to make it available to you, and so the reason you have the handout there, and you can fill in the blanks. Uh, first of all, in Philippians chapter 2, I had you turn there, and I did not turn there myself. Give me a second. Philippians chapter 2, a very familiar passage. Beginning verse 9, Philippians 2, verse 9. Because, verse is part of that, because Christ humbled himself to become a man and come this earth and die on the cross to pay for our sin. It says in verse 9, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a what? A name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, of things in earth, and things under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. So here God has exalted Christ and given him a name above every name. So all the names in society in the world today, there's one above all of them, that's the name of Jesus Christ. And that's one reason we're studying this precious name. And one day, every knee should bow. By the way, that's your knee. That's my knee. That's President Biden's knee. That's Muhammad's knee, that's Confucius' knee, that's Buddha's knee. All one day will bow before the Lord Jesus Christ and declare him to be Lord to the glory of the Father. So uh, you can bow now in faith or bow now later in judgment, but we all will bow one day. And so let's talk about quickly. Again, I covered these last week, but I, I, for sake of you having notes, the reasons why we study the name of God. First of all, number, first of all, salvation is in his name. Salvation is in his name. In John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So salvation is in his name. So when you think about the wonderful salvation you have, it's all because 
of Jesus Christ and found in his name. Next, eternal life is in his name. Eternal life is in his name. John 20, verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So salvation is his name, also eternal life. The life we have in Christ is found in the na his name. Next, we become a child of God by believing on his name. We become a child of God by believing on his name. John 1.12, but to as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that what? Believe on his name. Next, forgiveness is in his name. Salvation, eternal life, become part of God's family is all found in the name of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness, 1 John 2.12 he said, I write unto you, my little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. Acts 10, 43. It says, to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive the remission of sins. So forgiveness is his name. Next, his presence is promised when we gather together in his name. His presence is promised when we gather together in his name. Acts, Acts 18, 20. It said, for where two or three gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. He said, Pastor, I thought the Lord's always with us. He is. He's omnipresent. That's true all over the world, but also in us personally. But I believe this is a special blessing of God upon when we gather together. In the name of Jesus Christ. That's the reason we're here tonight. So I guess a special emphasis, a manifestation of his presence is made known to his people when we gather together in his name. Isn't that wonderful? Next, prayers are answered in his name. Prayers are answered in his name. Hope you're getting a reason why we study his name, a name above every name. John 14, 13, Jesus said, And whosoever shall ask anything in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The next verse, verse 14, Jesus said, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Prayers are answered in his name and asked in his name. A couple more here. I like this one. God will not forget works shown toward his name. God will not forget works we do that are shown toward his name. I'm sorry, Hebrews 6.10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. When we do works or deeds, righteous acts, in the name of Christ, that means to bring glory to him. He will not forget that and one day reward you accordingly. And one more here. The apostles rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. The apostles rejoice to be counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Acts 5.41 And they, the apostles, departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. 
I'm sure many of you love the name of Christ. Interesting. Does it bother you when you hear the Lord's name taken in vain? In the Old Testament, one of the Ten Commandments, in Exodus 20, verse 7, it said, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, I'm going to test your knowledge or your remembrance of our studying the names of God in the Old Testament. If you look at that verse, it said, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Notice the name of who? The Lord. Notice that's all capitals. What does that word refer to? His personal name, which is Jehovah. Now, I don't know about you. When you hear someone say, and I want to say it, they hear someone say GD, that's not taking God's name in vain. Because his name is not God. That's who he is. Now, I'm not for saying that. I think it's wrong. You should not say that. The name, our God has a name. In the Old Testament, it's Jehovah. In the New Testament, it's what? Jesus. And what does it mean to take the name of a God in vain? It means to be empty without purpose or frivolous. Many times you hear someone curse, they just shout out the name Jesus Christ for no reason. That's taking his name in vain. But when you have a purpose to call upon his name, that's honoring to the Lord. So again, don't leave here saying the pastor's uh, saying it's okay to go out and say GD. I am not. But that is not the, uh, professing his name. His name is Jehovah. Uh, I don't think that's right. I don't say that I got my mouth washed out with soap as a boy for saying that one day. My mom heard me say it. She says, son, go get a bar of soap. And I come back and she brought it and opened my mouth and she got it and just rings it in my mouth. <laughs> And I tasted soap all day long, but I never said the word again. <laughs> but anyway, so I think it's wrong, but that, in a sense, that's not taking his name in vain because his name is not God. That's who he is. Today, his name is Jesus. I don't know about you, when I hear the name Jesus taken in vain, it's like someone ringing, uh, taking fingernails down a chalkboard, and it just rubs me the wrong way, and I'm sure it does you because there's, uh, that's the name above every name, and we should reverence that name. All right. Let's go back to our study on the names of God in the New Testament. We'll go real quickly, quickly, quickly uh, review what we covered before, then we'll get move on. We, we've looked at, we started talking about names of God in the New Testament. We looked at, first of all, the names for God the Father. There were, there were four of them. There was God, number two, Lord, number three, Father, and number four, the Almighty. Those are names of God the Father in the New Testament. We looked at each one of those, what they meant. Then we began a study on the names of God the Son. We've looked at 10 of them so far. There are 19 altogether. We're going to cover. By the way, it's far more than 19. But then the most popular ones we're going to cover in our study. Of course, the first one, the most popular, the names of the, uh, God the Son is Jesus. The next one's Christ. Number three, Messiah. Number four, Lord. Next, Jesus Christ. Number six, Christ Jesus. We looked at number seven, the Lord Jesus Christ. Last week, we looked at the term I am. And then we saw the term Son of God. And I believe, if I'm mistaken, we ended up on the Son of Man. The Son of God and the Son of Man. Remember, the Son of God. Jesus many times referred to himself as Son of God. That refers to his deity, the Son of Man refers to his humanity. So Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but also he was the Son of Man. 
uh, in the theological terms, is called the hypostatic union. You know what that means? That God is, Jesus Christ is fully God, and he's fully man. He's holy God and holy man, two in one, one person. But when you saw Jesus Christ, you saw God, but also you saw a man. And so when, refer, when the Bible referred to him as the son of God, that's reference to his deity, that he was God. But when it said the son of man, that's reference to his humanity, because he was a man. But tonight, we're going to, number 11, we're going to talk about the son of Abraham. The son of Abraham. Meaning Jesus was a descendant of Abraham. This title takes Jesus, royal lineage, all the way back to the nation's inception in the Abrahamic covenant. So you have your Bibles. Go with me now to Genesis chapter 12, please. Genesis chapter 12, the first book of your Bible. Here is beginning what we call the Abrahamic covenant. Genesis chapter 12. If it's helpful, Genesis is the first book of your Bible, okay? <laughs> Unless your Bible's upside down. Genesis chapter 12, there's talking about the Abrahamic covenant. In that covenant, we see that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, will be a descendant of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, look in verse 1, please. Genesis 12, verse 1. Here God is speaking to Abram before he was named Abraham. In chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from my father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Verse 2, And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, that thou shalt be a blessing. I love verse 3. And I will bless them that bless thee, I will curse them that curses thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Notice, God said, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse them that curse thee. And talking about descendants of Abraham. My friend, be careful any nation that turns against Israel. Israel is still God's people. And God said, I will bless them that bless thee. And I will curse them that curse thee. Anytime you vote someone, especially for a president, find about his stand about Israel. And so Israel doesn't always seem to do things right, but they're still the people of God. And God said, bless them. So if our country ever turns against Israel, woe unto us, because God said, I will curse them that curses thee. But the latter part of verse 3, he says, in thee, Talbot Abraham, shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, how are our families blessed in Abraham? In his descendant, Jesus Christ. Now, if you would please uh, continue our study on that. We're going to show you more of that in Scripture. Application of the Son of Abraham. In order for Jesus to be a Messiah, he, he had to be a Jew and had to be the Son of Abraham, both of them. He had to be a Jew and had to be the Son of Abraham. Interesting. Uh, many people try to figure out who the Antichrist is. The Antichrist will be a false messiah. And we know that, Jew, that many times Jews may turn and believe in the false messiah, but the false messiah Antichrist will turn against the Jews. But whoever the Antichrist is, he will have to be a Jew. 
Many times people said Obama was a antichrist. I mean, uh, thought that. Some people thought uh, Trump was. I don't know. But basically, when you think of a person who is, comes on the scene, you said he's the antichrist. He'll have to be a Jew. Because the Jews will not accept someone, um, the Messiah, that's not a Jew. And so, and also, it has to be a sin of Abraham. But notice there the uh, scripture application. In order to be a, Jesus to be a Messiah, he was to be a Jew and had to be a son of Abraham. If you would, please, in fact, I think it's on the screen, the scripture reference in Matthew chapter 1. The work of Matthew was written to prove that Jesus was the Messiah. The whole book was written for that reason. And it begins out in Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of what? Abraham. So here we got the lineage of Jesus Christ going all the way back to Abraham. And so Matthew was trying to prove to the Jew that Jesus was the Messiah and showing that his lineage descendants goes back to Abraham. If you would please now go to Galatians chapter 3, please. Galatians 3. We're talking about Jesus being the son of Abraham, mentioned many times in the Bible. And that had to be true and accepted by the Jew to receive him as the Messiah. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, please. Genesis 3, 16. What did I tell you? Galatians. I said, Galatians. I'm testing you. <laughs> Galatians, thank you. I can't even read my own writing. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, please. I saw the G and my mind went automatically to Genesis. Galatians 3, 16. It says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. That promise was back there in Genesis chapter 12. And he saith not unto seeds as many... But as one, and to thy seed, which is what? Jesus Christ. And so it again referring that Jesus Christ was the descendant of Abraham, and said, and all, and his seed shall the, uh, all nations be blessed. And the seed there was singular, and referring to a person, and according to Galatians, none other than Jesus Christ. So all nations, all families on earth are blessed because of Jesus Christ. The next name given to him, not only the son of Abraham, but also the son of David. The son of David. We saw that in Genesis, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 1. This is the royal title of Jesus Christ. By the son of David, the Jews meant the Messiah. When that term was used, and people called upon him, thou son of David. Many times when Jesus was confronted by people that needed healing, a man had leprosy, would come upon him and said, Jesus, thou son of David. That was a term of acknowledge him as the Messiah. It, 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 basically, it was a descendant of David. This was the most common messianic title in Jesus' day. You'll see it used more than anything else. When someone called upon him as the son of David, that was referring to him, he was the Messiah. He was a son of David himself. Application, being the son of David gave Jesus the rightful heir to the throne. In order for Jesus to claim the throne of David, the throne of Israel, he had to be a descendant of David. Uh, if you would, please, turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, please. Isaiah chapter 9. 
This was, again, the royal title of Jesus Christ. It was the most popular term given to him as the, as the Messiah. Isaiah chapter 9, a verse we know quite well during Christmas time. And you can see that the Messiah would be a descendant of David. Isaiah 9 and verse 6, please. Isaiah 9, verse 6. Here Isaiah said, For unto us a child is born, unto us a what? Now the first phrase refers to his humanity. The son was born. The child was born, but the son was given. The son was not born. The son always was. The son of God's eternal. So unto us a child, humanity, was born. His humanity come into existence in Bethlehem by Mary. But unto us the son was what? Given because he always was. But read on. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. And upon the throne of who? David. And upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it, with judgment, with justice, from henceforth for even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the host will perform this. So Isaiah prophesied that the Messiah would be a descendant of David, which would enable him to sit upon the throne. And now I'm going to give you some scripture references, and we may turn to one more if time allows us. We saw one already in Matthew 1. We saw the verse I read about the son of Abraham. It began the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David and the son of Abraham. In other words, Matthew referred to him as a descendant of two important people. To be the Messiah had to be a descendant of Abraham and also of David. In Matthew 1.20, I'll read this. This is when the angel appeared unto Joseph to tell him not to be afraid to take unto Mary his wife because remember she was with a child. It was not his. And he was quite disturbed by that. But it said, but while he thought on these things, Matthew 1.20, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of what? David. Fear not, take unto thee Mary thy wife, which is conceived in her, which is the Holy Ghost. So the Jew reading this would see that through the lineage of Joseph, he had a rightful heir to the throne. Another one, I will not have you turn there, but in Luke chapter 1, when the angel appeared unto Mary to let her know she was going to bear a child, notice what the angel said to her in Luke 1.30. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son that shall call his name Jesus. And listen carefully. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom shall be no end. So both Joseph and even Mary, we have the reference that Jesus was the descendant of David, and one day he will rule and reign on this earth upon the throne of David. Turn with me, please, real quickly, Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, and we'll have to cl close tonight with this verse. Acts 13. Again, reference to Jesus Christ being the descendant of David, which gave him the rightful heir to the throne. 
Acts chapter 13, verse 21. Look what it says, please. Acts 13, 21. It says in verse 21, this is not in your notes, by the way. Afterward, they desired a king, and David gave them Saul. Excuse me, God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, the man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, when God removed Saul, he raised up to them David to be their king, to whom also gave testimony that I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. But verse 23, of this man's seed, whose seed? David's seed. Hath God, according to his promise, raised up unto Israel a Savior, which is who? Jesus. So even the preaching of the apostles in the book of Acts showed that Jesus Christ was a descendant, the son of David. We're going to stop there because it's 8 o'clock. And many parents got to get their kids from Moana. And so next week, we're going to begin talking about another title called the Son of the Highest. Let's bow together, please. Father in heaven, we thank you. We have the privilege to study the most wonderful name above all names, the names given to Jesus Christ. And Father, may we meditate on these terms and Lord, look for ways we can apply them to our lives. We thank you that he is the son of Abraham that he is the son of David, and because of those two terms, he's the rightful heir to the throne of Israel, that indeed he's the Messiah. And Lord, we're so grateful for that, the promised Messiah to come take away the sins of the world. In Christ's name we pray, we pray, amen.